Well, welcome. I didn't go anywhere. I just gave announcements and I stood here. Uh, and it's ironic as we talk through our series on habits and routine and a normal day. And nothing about this morning is normal for me as I am preaching. Surprise. And we are thinking about the Valenstein family at home, recovering, being healthy, Eric doing all the chores and cleaning as they watch from their couch right now. Awesome. So let's talk about a normal day for me, though. Let's think about maybe a weekday routine um, as I'm getting up. Uh, normal for me is I set my alarm for 7 a.m. Normal for me, I hit snooze. I do not wake up at 7 a.m. I should wake up at 7 a.m. I do not. Uh, but still on a good day, I'm able to get up at some point in time uh, soon after that. And then I try to wake up the kids. But the kids have hit snooze on me, and they don't wake up either. So it's a little bit of a chaotic morning as we talk about habits. I'm maybe not the best representation here. Some other habits I have as I get ready in the morning, I always drink water first. I make coffee, but I always drink water first. Um, you're brushing your teeth. You're doing the things. Hair, that's a huge routine for me. If you know someone with curly hair, you're going to give them extra grace if they're running late. It's a whole routine and seven different products that you've got to scrunch in. You've got to start fresh every day. And then if I've budgeted in all my time right and I've woken up on time, then I'm making the kids lunches. I try to make it a routine, a habit, to have a very healthy lunch. They've gotten a fruit, a vegetable, a protein. For us vegetarians, it's usually like a... Uh, peanut butter jelly sandwich, yogurt, something like I've thought through the balance of the lunch. I've also factored in time for the morning uh, routine of uh, the getting dressed tantrum. So I have a six-year-old girl. I love her. She's a free spirit. And I want to appreciate that about her as her mom has the blue hair. Yeah, it's all great. But she wants to wear a bathing suit and tutu to school, and I'm not sure about that. It's more of a reflection of me than her, and she doesn't get that. And she has, like, every hair clip she owns all pushing her hair up into a whole fan thing. She's beautiful. It's great, but stop it. And I have at least, like, 15 minutes of negotiation time that is budgeted into my morning. That's just a routine. If I've done all of that right, then we're in the car rider line on time. And I do work from home. I work remotely. Um, and my first meeting is at 9 o'clock. So if I've done all that, then I've got my meeting. First meeting is at 9 o'clock. It's about every 30 minutes to an hour meetings back to back until about 5.36 is my day. And then I'm usually tired at around 10 and I pass out. Um, sometimes I do travel. So I have habits when I travel on the road um, or if I'm traveling out of state, my habit is get to airports obnoxiously early. I'm that person who will be at the gate when the screen says the flight before it. <laughs> like I will sit there. I will not miss a thing. I will not get lost. I will not get second security. I'm going to get there early and have everything in a row. I've done too many things wrong at airports before. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to work. And it's going to make me feel good. So those are some habits for a normal day for me. Likely you have the same thing. Maybe you commute to work. Maybe you do work from home. And you have habits and routines that you practice every day that set you up for success. Your normal day is like the day before. You've learned these things. So as we review, uh, last week, Pastor Eric, who uh, introduced us to the series of habits, we've been taking notes from Atomic Habits, a book by James Clear that I have not read, that Eric read in preparation for this sermon, but he did a great job sending me the summary and notes and a YouTube video that I did watch on that. And then as well as Craig Groeschel's sermon uh, that I was able to, to also watch for that. So we want to give credit uh, where those notes came from. And then last week, Eric talked about some some simple truths, some very key things that we're going to put up on the screen and have for you as well. Um, the first one is that small tasks, when done consistently, create habits. 
How simple is that, right? That's how habits are formed. We're going to talk a little bit today about the psychology of our minds and our bodies as we create habits. More importantly, for our time together as a church and a body of believers, we're talking through developing godly habits, right? Developing godly habits will produce a godly character. Last week, Eric pointed out a lot of our goal setting can go wrong when we think about the what of the goal. We think about the what we're doing and not the who that we are becoming. It's the who God is calling us to be that really sets us on track. So uh, just very practically, a what versus a who goal uh, could be like, I want to write a book or I want to write a song. Some of us have very ambitious goal. I'm going to write that novel. I'm going to write that short story. I'm going to write that song. Rather than the who, I want to be a writer. I want to be a writer. That's the who. Or the what goal of I want to yell less. That's an admirable activity goal. I want to yell less. But think about the who. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better spouse. I want to be a calm person. Um, spiritually speaking, a what versus a who goal. I'm going to get through the Bible in one year as a great what goal, a great activity goal. But it's the who. I am going to be like Christ. I'm going to be someone who follows Christ. Is a goal that sets us up for success. When we make these big activity-based goals, we end our season or we end our year wondering why we're not feeling fulfilled, right? We all get to the end of that year and, yay, happy new year. This year is going to be different or this year I'm going to do that thing. And if you're like me, you've likely set 50 impossible activity goals. I always do this to myself and then I end up feeling completely defeated that I haven't met any one of them. Um, Or worse, You've met your goals. Now, why is that worse? So Craig Rochelle explains it this way. Some of you, like me, have likely set a means goal, a goal that is a means to an end, a goal that has a so at the end of it. So on the other side of our goal, if there's a so, it kind of gets us to that next thing and we're not feeling fulfilled. I want to get good grades so I can get into a good school, so I can get a degree, so I can get that job, so I can make a good living, so I can get married, so I can go on a good honeymoon, so I can have kids, so I can provide for that family and have a good house, so on and so on and so on. And the more we do that, the more our happiness and our joy and our fulfillment is just deferred to the future. When I was watching that, that really really struck with me. That is definitely... The, the trap that I get into this one day thinking and these activity goals that set me up for the next thing, I for sure live in one day land. I walk around our house thinking through one day. Those of you who know us, we bought a fixer-upper a number of years ago, and we've done some fixing and some upping, but boy, is there a long road ahead of us for where I imagine my house to be. It's like I don't even see it anymore when I walk around. Um, Our bathroom is 1970s blue, and it's got blue everything. It's great. I don't see it. I see the potential of what I know I want to turn that bathroom into, right? This HGTV thing that's bookmarked here. It's not that, but I see it. Um, And I don't appreciate the today that I'm living in and that our bathroom works. Do you remember that one time we had that apartment, the bathroom didn't work at all, the water just never turned off. You went to go turn the shower off and it just kept flowing. Down into the neighbor's apartment, 
at like 10 o'clock at night down into the neighbor's apartment where he had a light fixture. So the lights were going on and off. That wasn't cool. Couldn't figure it out. Wasn't our pipes. Wasn't our place. Just an apartment. The landlord not answering the phone. That meant my dad came over and he took apart our vacuum cleaner and duct taped the hose to the vacuum cleaner from the faucet of the tub and made it go out the window so it would stop going into poor James's apartment. That was our reality of the bathroom back then. And I'm missing the today moment of, we have a working bathroom. It's ugly as all get out, but we have a working bathroom. And did I mention we only have the one bathroom? One bathroom, four people. Who lives like that anymore? But we do, and it's great. And the kids are all over the sink at the same time, and we're all in a line for who needs to use the bathroom. And I get frustrated about that, but I miss the beautiful family that's there together. I, mean, I really want that other bathroom, but it's, you know, I get trapped in that way of thinking. And uh, this one day or the so mentality, I'm going to get this, or I'm going to get that. It is a very effective distraction away from where God wants our attention to be pointed and it's on him and who we are to be. It's not about the what I'm getting or where I'm going or what I'm doing. It's about who I am becoming. The only goal that ever seems to matter, that ever brings fulfillment, is if I become more like Christ. That's the only thing that's going to fulfill us. Well, one of the best examples of healthy Godly habits is in the Bible, and it comes from Daniel. So Daniel, super famous character in the Bible, absolutely love uh, all the stories that are in the book of Daniel. Daniel and the lion's den, right? You know this one. So we will actually pick up in chapter 6 the events that lead up to that lion's den moment. Um, But first, I do want to catch you up. If you've never read the book of Daniel before, I spent all yesterday reading through it a few times. Um, And right away, you actually see Daniel's character. You get a glimpse of who he is. So in chapter 1, you've got King Nebuchadnezzar who has besieged Jerusalem and has taken a few people back with him to to Babylon. And he took people from the royal family of Judah, which includes Daniel, a number of other people who are named, uh, who changed their names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then you've got the Veggie Tale version, right? Something, something in bubblegum, right? It's very funny, good Veggie Tales. Um, So we see in chapter 1, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has taken all these people from Judah, and he gives them, he gives these great leaders, the best of the best, uh, his, the king's portion, which means really great food and wine and all these things. And Daniel refuses it. He won't have it. Then um, they try to change his name. Like they changed uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's name. Daniel won't have it. He's not changing his name. So right away we start to see uh, some character traits from Daniel that he is a person of integrity. He is loyal. He is dedicated. He is obedient to God. And yet you go through the rest of the chapters in Daniel, and it is such a roller coaster. There are several very eccentric kings in this book. You've got King Nebuchadnezzar who's demanding that, hey, you're going to interpret my dreams, and if you don't interpret my dreams, then I'm going to cut you into pieces. But if you do interpret my dreams, then you get a promotion. And then so Daniel comes up, and he interprets the dreams, and he gets a promotion. And so that's really nice. And then King Nebuchadnezzar again threatens, hey, if you don't worship this way, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. So he throws Shadrach, Meshach, 
Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace, but they survive, so they get a promotion. And then later, when King Nebuchadnezzar's son is in power, he hosts this big banquet, and they've taken items from the temple, and they're worshiping gold and silver, and then a hand comes out and writes a prophecy on a wall. Really, this all happened in Daniel. You should read the book of Daniel. And then that's where the phrase, the writing on the wall, comes from, and they are freaking out. Oh, my gosh, there's this hand writing this thing on this wall that we don't understand. And so they get Daniel to come interpret the writing on the wall, and guess what? He gets another promotion. So now he is at the top of the top out of all of these kings. You've got the king, and then you've got leaders and rulers like governing the land and the kingdom. And then you've got Daniel, who at this point in chapter 6, who has been appointed as an administrator over all of those rulers and all of those governors. These kings have really entrusted him and made him to the top of the leaders. And it says that he really stood out among these leaders. So he's been appointed an administrator at this point. And we're going to read, the reason why I chose this chapter, because I feel like it's here in Daniel's story where we're going to see that it's godly habits that what set him up for success. Despite the chaos, despite the roller coaster, despite life-threatening persecution, Daniel stays the course. And I believe it is in Daniel's habits that we can learn how he became the kind of person who he was. So if you're following along, Daniel chapter 3, we're going to pick it up in verse, Daniel chapter 6, picking up in verse 3, it says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So now you've got a bunch of other leaders who are super, super jealous, and they're going to try to trap Daniel, they're going to try to get him in some trouble. But you see his characters coming through. He's trustworthy. He's not corrupt. He's without fault. He is a good person. He's the kind of person we want other people to be able to think about, uh, that, that, that we want to be thought about when people think about us, right? He's that good of a person. Verse 5. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law and his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of Moses and, or Moses, huh, in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Basically, all the leaders surprised the king, had an ad hoc meeting and said, hey, we have an idea. You're really awesome. You're so awesome. You should set up a rule in writing that if anyone worships anything other than you, they're thrown in the lion's den. All of your leaders, except Daniel, totally agree that you should pass this law. And so it's done. It's published. Because of Daniel's godly habits, though, because of his godly character, 
This is not going to throw him off at all. So let's see what happens in verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Wow. You know what happens after this. Because he prayed, he's thrown in that lion's dead and he survived, right? God protects him. But it's verse 10 that shows that moment, the moment he was faced with persecution, the moment he was challenged, he went to God first and he prayed. How was it that automatic? How was he not just completely thrown off and emotional, right? I'm sure he had some emotions, but this was not just an emotional reaction. He did this without hesitating, without panicking, without complaining. Where's the like, woe is me, this is terrible, God. What did he pray for? He gave thanks to God. It was so automatic. He had done this three times a day. And it says this wasn't new for him. He did it just as he did the day before. He had created a godly habit that produced a godly character in such a way that he didn't waver, right? The level at which Daniel's faith is tested, right, is hopefully something we will never have to see. We will never have to see that level of adversity or persecution in this life. As we talk about habits and what we struggle with as far as good habits, man, we struggle with eating right and exercising and reading well. Think about the, the pressure and this environment that Daniel was in. hope we never are faced with that kind of persecution and adversity. But Daniel had created a keystone habit, a keystone habit, a foundational habit. What is a keystone habit? A keystone habit is a habit that when it's done, it creates an environment where future habits can be successful, this keystone habit. So for me, a keystone habit I'm working on is waking up on time and not hitting that snooze button. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be able to wake up on time because you know what happens if I don't do that and I hit that snooze button and, man, the dominoes just fall in all the wrong ways. My hair is not done. I've got the bandeau headband on. Anybody? If you see Michelle with the bandeau headband on and her hair is pulled up, it is bad day, Michelle, and you want to be a little bit extra nice to me. And no balance at all in the lunches. They've got five different flavors of granola bars, and maybe I remember the water. Lucy is in shorts and ballet slippers in January, and we're just dealing with it, and we're going, and everybody out, out, out. And because we're rushing, everyone's forgotten everything. It's violin day. Joel doesn't have his violin. Oh, yep, mask mandate since forever. How did we forget those? Turn around. Go back. We're doing, oh, yep, taking the meeting from the car. Now it's 9 a.m., and my meeting for 9 a.m. is now on my phone, and I'm muting and unmuting, and, hey, get out of the car. Oh, sorry, not you. Mute. Uh, you, get out of the car. You, yes, I, want, I agree to that. No, I don't agree to that. And I'm just trying to balance all the things and not be that parent in the car rider line. But, yeah, that's happened when my keystone habit uh, is not applied. Another one, ironically for me, um, is my keys. For real. I lose my keys only always. But you know what has not happened in the last, I would say, at least year? I have not locked myself out of the house. I have not. Do you want to know? You think, thank you. Thank you. Because it's been bad. I have locked myself out of the house 
so many times. And I have called you, your mother, your brother, and everybody has a copy of our key. Just come on in our house. I have buried keys in the yard. And oh, see, it's the third potted plant over to the right. You move the plant. You can't move the plant. Okay, let's forget it. There are keys everywhere. But do you know the habit that I started creating? I put a post-it by the door that said keys. And that turned into, I have to say it out loud. I have to. I will, before, and you know I do this, before I shut the door, I don't even care if it's your car that we're taking, and I don't need any keys. I have to say the word keys, and I have to look at my hand, and there have to be keys in the hand. That's how I live my life, but you know what I haven't done? I haven't locked myself out of the house. I haven't been late to school for that. So that is awesome. That is a keystone habit that exists in my life that has changed my life radically, and I know you can do this too. It all started with the post-it and saying it out loud, whatever that behavior is. More seriously, when we talk about those keystone godly habits, honestly, I felt like I was the wrong person to give this message. I would have tagged Frank in in a heartbeat. For the last over a year, he has been meditating at the end of every night. By golly, I try to do that, but silence isn't really great for me, and I try and I try and I try. That doesn't stick for me, but for him, he meditates. For a long period of time, I didn't even talk about his normal day. His normal day, he's up at least 4.45 in the morning, goes to the gym first to run, works all day outside, the same weather that kept people from church today. He works outside in it, and then sometimes has the longest day ever. He's not home until 4 or 5 o'clock. Sometimes that's beyond a 12-hour day. He comes home, does his thing, and then reads to Joel a chapter of his book. And we're not talking easy books. They have been through all the Harry Potter series, The Hobbit. We're in Lord of the Rings right now. We are Googling words in these books. He takes on a chapter of those books every night. And then even after that, is meditating in his room um, for, for a while, right? And he is reading the Bible, reading scripture, and just spending time with God. That is a keystone habit that he's put in place that has radically changed uh, who he is becoming and growing as a person, right? An awesome dad, awesome husband, awesome follower of God. He had no idea I was saying this, so I'm kind of embarrassing him a little bit. Um, so those are the kinds of keystone habits that set you up for success, that make it that your faith is not going to waver. Think about who you want to become. What is that keystone habit that you need to start? And maybe you want to become a reliable person. Well, you're never going to hit that snooze button again, right? Maybe you want to be more like Christ. Well, it doesn't have to be this huge goal of reading the Bible in a whole year. You can do one verse at a time. Just make time for yourself that you can read one verse a day. So we're going to close with uh, the four stages. That's not your signal. Uh, the four stages of how to build a habit. I wanted to get into the psychology of how to build a habit because some of you are thinking, this sounds great. I still don't know how to do it. This isn't news to me that I need to create a habit. How is this going to work in my life and for the way my brain processes things? Well, one of the great things about this book that I totally did not read, but watch that YouTube video on, and you should too, Atomic Habits, the four stages of creating a habit are right here. It's cue, craving, response, reward. It's going to make so much sense when you hear it. The cue, what does that trigger for you? Well, let's talk about our mornings. The cue, I wake up. That alarm goes off. Well, there's something that I crave. I want to be awake, right? I crave being alert. I want to get ready for my day. So what's my response to that craving? Well, I'm going to make some coffee, 
even the smell of that is going to wake me up. That's my response. And I get a reward from it. Simple as that. I feel alert. I am pleased. The coffee tastes great. I get all the things that I wanted. My body starts to create a habit for that, and now that's embedded as part of my morning. This happens to us unconsciously as well, right? Um, the cue could be that your phone buzzed. Your phone buzzed. Well, the craving is, I want to see what my phone says. <laughs> is that a notification? Is it a text message? What is that? Did I miss a call? And the response is simple. You look at your phone. Yep, I'm going to go grab that phone. I'm going to see what that is, that thing buzzed, and I get a reward. I get to read the message. I'm satisfied by whatever it is, unless the message was bad. But, you know... You get that reward of, yeah, I got the thing that I wanted. You don't even realize that you've created that habit that now we're at the mercy of our phone every time it buzzes. Man, it buzzes. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to read it. I'm going to. Oh, maybe we, maybe we don't do that every single time. But that habit is likely created in every single one of us. Every habit, good or bad, follows these four stages, and it becomes a system. But we can use this to our advantage to create the good habits, right? And there are ways that you do that. So let's go through the four stages. You want to make the cue obvious. You want to make the cue obvious. You want to make the craving attractive. You want to make the response easy. You want to make the reward satisfying. I'm going to give you a quick example to go through for that. So your cue, you want to make it really obvious. For me, it was the post-it. You're cueing yourself, alert, alert. You need your keys, right? Um, another thing that I've tried that has been really helpful I physically, I moved my Bible app on my phone out of the folder of books because naturally I just put it in the folder of books. Anybody, right? But, oh, nope, I'm going to move it out of the folder of books. I'm going to put it right at the bottom next to messages and phone um, and weather and other things that are important to me. So now it's going to be like the first thing that I see in that bar on my phone. Maybe you're an old school Bible reader. You want the physical Bible. The Bible should be next to your bed. If you're trying to get into the word more and it's, you know, you're just not making time for it, put it where you know you're going to read it. Joel, love him. He has a habit too now and has his reason for staying up at night. But I'm reading the Bible. All right. Um, but he puts the Bible right next to his bed. And then that's the last thing that he does with his night. And he's reading a few chapters of the Bible every single night now. He made that cue really, really obvious. Make the craving attractive. This one was tricky for me because not every habit that I'm trying to make is always super attractive, but start to think of ways um, that it can be, right? If you're that morning person, then pair your reading in the morning with that cup of coffee. What's the thing that you're going to look forward to? Or maybe you are the night owl and you're fine staying up and reading at night. What do you have to shift in your evening to make room for it and pair that with something that you look forward to doing, right? So I'm not going to go watch that episode right now. I look forward to that, but I'm going to read 10 minutes in my Bible first because I've got this thing waiting for me. Um, or maybe I'll pair that with like a cup of tea or whatever else is attractive that can make you look forward to whatever that habit is. That's training our brains and training our body that this thing that we're going to crave becomes attractive. And then later you can plus pray on your show. Make the response easy. So response, make it easy. Again, don't tackle the whole Bible in a year if that's something that you know that you're not going to be able to commit to. Make it a verse a day. How easy does the Bible app make it for us that there's a verse of the day already on there for us? Today's verse of the day talked about taking up our cross daily. So if you've already read that this morning, you saw that one. Perfect fit with the message. 
daily, this is a daily habit, a daily dying to ourselves and denying ourselves and taking up our cross daily. Make it easy. Make it one verse, 30 seconds of prayer, one minute of deep breathing and silence. And finally, the reward. Make it satisfying. You can press play on that show. You've earned it, whatever that is. You know, not locking myself out of the house. That's a pretty solid reward. I feel awesome when I don't do that. Um, But if you're creating or if you're not creating, if you're not creating the habits that you want, it likely isn't because you have bad goals. It's likely because you have bad systems, right? We haven't trained our bodies for these things. We don't have the right system to accomplish your goal. We'll close with this. That is your signal. I'm sorry. A little crazy today. Yep. Um, So we don't know, as we look through this chapter in Daniel, we don't know what kind of person, we don't know who Daniel was before we meet him in chapter 1. We do get to know in chapter 1 who he is, but before that, we have no idea who he was before that, before he was taken away to Babylon. But we do know, we do know that by the end of Daniel's uh, time here in, in Babylon, we do know that his faith has been put to the ultimate test And he had created simple, godly habits so that he became the kind of person, a godly person, whose faith never wavered when it came time, right? We know those habits that he put in place, that he put God first before anything else every single day, three times a day. How simple is that? Can you pray to God three times a day? Sure we can. Absolutely we can be that dedicated to God. And creating those habits, keystone habits, are going to set us up for success in the future. So think about what habit do you need to start today? What post-it note do you need to write? What alarm do you need to set on your phone? What do you have to move or shift around? You're going to do that today to start to build a better person who you can become, right? Right, let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to dig into your word today, to learn about Daniel. Thank you, God, for the example that he was and that his story lives on. God, I thank you for your provision, God, in our lives, that we are even able to get up and be here with you today. And we want to give that back to you, God. We want to create godly habits. We want to be people like you, God. We want to reflect you. We want to be more like you and your son, Jesus, God. Pray over each person here, whatever that habit is, whatever that system is, I know you brought it to their mind, God, and I know I know that the enemy is real. The moment we set out that door, there's going to be a distraction. And I want to pray over that right now, God, that you would remove those distractions. You would empower us to set that alarm, to write that post-it, to tell a friend whatever the habit is, God. Don't give up on us, God. Thank you so much that we are just here today to try again completely for you, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.